0: Welcome to the Federalist Outpost. So, all this recent Hillary Clinton news reminds me of somebody who's probably the single biggest political boogeyman in the history of the United States, and nobody talks about him. His name's Aaron Burr, right? And people who've seen Hamilton, the Broadway, or know anything about early uh, 19th century history know that Aaron Burr was the vice president for Jefferson in the 1800 to 1804 uh, presidential elections. And then afterwards, uh, he decided that it'd be a good idea to have a duel with Alexander Hamilton, shot him uh, and killed him. And he was still a, a sitting vice president when he shot and killed Hamilton. But it, here's a guy who is potentially the most toxic political figure you can imagine in the entire history of the United States. And I'm, I'm talking about Everybody from Nixon to Trump, except for maybe Hillary Clinton. And I I think there's a credible argument to be made here. A little bit of history on Burr. Burr ran in 1800 as the vice presidential candidate to Thomas Jefferson. And at the time, the tickets worked a little bit differently. And so you kind of had to vote for both of them uh, in order to be able to to elect your particular party. You, You voted for both of the candidates. Well, as it happened, and accidentally, both Burr and Jefferson ended up with the same number of delegates in the electoral college. And so there was a tie. And, you know, the arrangement had been for Jefferson to be president and Burr was going to be vice president. Well, Burr decides to force a runoff rather than abdicating. And so the House of Representatives votes 36 times over the course of several months, but into February of 1801, trying desperately to resolve this tie between Burr and and Jefferson. So Jefferson is pissed about it, as you would be, because, I mean, here, you picked a guy to be your number two. Batman picked Robin, and then all of a sudden Robin decides he wants to be the main character of the show. So he decides it's going to be a good idea to talk to the Federalists, which is the opposite party. They're They're closest to modern day Republicans. Talk to the Federalists and convince them to throw the 36th ballot. And that's what they do. Four states with Federalist leanings end up not voting in the 36th ballot in the House, giving Jefferson the election. Well, once Jefferson gets sworn in as president, he doesn't trust Burr. Because, I mean, how could you trust Burr? Burr, Stabbed you in the back straight out the gate. I mean, you didn't even get into office and the guy's already stabbed you in the back. So Burr ends up this ostracized character for years. And when Jefferson comes up for re-election in 1804, he's not going to pick Burr to run with him. Why would he? Right. I mean, the guy's the guy's not credible and he's got all these problems. So Burr decides he's going to run for governor of New York and he loses. He loses massively in New York, and he blames Hamilton for it. And he alleges that Hamilton has run around and told everybody that would listen that Burr's a bad guy. So Burr challenges him to a duel. Hamilton, in a stroke of pure stupidity, decides that he's gonna accept the duel, uh, keeping in mind that his 19-year-old son had died like the year before in a duel. And then to make matters worse, Hamilton decides that he's going to use the same guns that were used in the duel that his son used unsuccessfully, um, thinking that somehow there's going to be a change. Well, to make matters more complicated than that, Hamilton tells everybody he's not going to actually shoot Burr. That That's his plan. His grand plan is to not shoot Burr. Well, Burr doesn't have the same plans. He shoots Hamilton. He kills Hamilton. Well, he gets charged with a bunch of different crimes, including murder and ends up fleeing to South Carolina before returning to D.C. and finishing his term as vice president with pending murder charges. Now, nothing ever comes of it. But 1805 comes, and Burr loses the vice presidency because he's not even on the ticket, and then decides that he's going to run most of what is the southwestern United States, everything to the west of the Mississippi that's owned by the Spanish government. And he's going to put together an army. That's his plan. He, he thinks that the Mexicans need to be ruled by a king, but not the Spanish king. They need to be ruled by him. And so he starts this long, I mean, 8 to 10-year effort trying desperately to take over Mexico and, and what is now the American Southwest. He fails at it catastrophically. And then in the meantime has managed to make Jefferson so angry that Jefferson issues a warrant for his arrest, alleging, among other things, that he had committed treason. So Burr flees from state to state and ends up in Florida trying to hide from this uh, arrest warrant. Eventually, he does get arrested, he does get tried, and there's not enough evidence that he had done this. So he gets away with it. They let him go. Well, then he decides it's a good idea to move over to Great Britain. He goes to the UK, goes to London, and then sort of flit around Europe like he's a, a post-college, pre-work uh, graduate student and tries desperately to, to put together some sort of political comeback, whether that's King of Mexico or that's something else in one of these other countries, you never really find out. But he, he turns out to be this sad little example of somebody who cannot let their political career go. I think Hillary Clinton is there. And, and, you know, you look at the recent stuff that we've heard about with spying on Trump during the campaign, and you listen to the things about what she may or may not have done after he becomes elected president, and you think this is a person who is so dead set on taking a presidency, taking leadership, taking power, for herself, that she has lost all objectivity. And a lot of people think, okay, well, it sounds like Nixon, right? Nixon's a guy who ran in 1960. He uh, ran for president. He was Ike Eisenhower's vice presidential candidate, had run for president against Ike uh, in the Republican primaries in the 1950s. And then after all those losses, still manages to have the gall to come back in 1968 and run for election again, and then he wins. And once he wins, one win isn't enough for Nixon, which, you know, what, what president would step down after the first four years? I mean, we'll see if Biden does, but it, Nixon wasn't going to. So Nixon goes and runs in 72 and decides that he needs to cheat. We get the Watergate scandal and all that. It, it, so Nixon is this sort of depraved creature as well. But Nixon's violations don't carry past the election. Right? His goal is just to win the election. And obviously he gets caught and then he he leaves office. Well, Clinton, Hillary's goal, she lost in 08. She spent all that time as a senator from New York. and She loses in 08. She plays second, well, third, fourth, fifth fiddle to Obama for a number of years. And then she thinks, okay, I've got 2016 lined up. And she's scared everybody out of the field. There's poor Bernie Sanders as the only stooge that's going to run against her of, of any notoriety. And frankly, Bernie didn't have any notoriety at the time. He's just the only guy standing there. She lets Bernie pull within 10 percentage points of her on polling and decides that she needs to cheat. So she goes to the Democratic National Convention or National Committee and talks them into giving her information or making decisions that benefit her and hurt Bernie. And then she gets help from different Democratic committee members who are feeding her little things, things like questions before debates and and support and help and anything that they can in order to be able to help get her elected. So she, she throws the Democratic primary in order to be able to beat Bernie Sanders. She does that. She turns her attention immediately to Trump And she's got this email thing hanging over her head because turns out she had maintained this email server at her house that she wasn't supposed to. And she needed to be able to to hide that. Well, in the meantime, you end up with this email hack that the DNC had a problem with that exposed all of these different correspondences between uh, DNC members in the Clinton campaign and, and pretty much showed after the primary was done that Clinton had had a lot of inside help. And that's a scandal. And then all of a sudden after that, her campaign manager has his email hacked, allegedly by the Russians. And now we've got, you know, tens of thousands of documents out here on WikiLeaks talking about all these things that, that Podesta, her campaign manager, had said to just about everybody under the sun. I mean, it was years and years and years worth of his emails, all in the same place. And a lot of it looks really bad for Hillary. So rather than... Addressing the substance of the issue, you know, she cheated the primary. She has been doggedly after this position. She has strong-armed everybody else out. And you end up with the Russians as the bad guy. And she needs to tie the Russians to Trump because the narrative has to change for her from her problems with the email server, the drama with the DNC and the fact that she threw the primary and all those damaging Podesta emails, it's all got to get dumped on Trump's shoulders. And so Trump, as usual, had done no favors for himself. He posted on Twitter for all the world to see that he felt that WikiLeaks was going to have all these documents. And lo and behold, WikiLeaks has all these documents. So he's given her this tangential little tie between himself and Russia, even though there's probably nothing behind it. So over the summer of 2016, with the election coming in five months, she hires a string of attorneys, uh, international investigation companies, at least one apparently, and manufactures the entire Russian conspiracy and all these ties between Trump and Russia. And she runs with it. And eventually she, she runs the race, she loses the race, and yet the story stays. And so... We don't hear about it through, you know, November of that year. We hear about it for the next two years with the Democrats and every major legacy media network, except for Fox News, running a story on it about once every five minutes. I mean, MSNBC still runs stories on it, at least as of a couple of weeks ago. You could still go on their website and they've got a story or two or 10 somewhere talking about how, you know, Russia and Trump and, and there's probably still some collusion there and you, it, none of it was credible. And now we've got the evidence from the Durham probe, or at least the conversation about the evidence that the Durham probe has, about how this is now something that is completely debunked. And not only is it debunked, but it was actually manufactured by the Clinton campaign. And oh, by the way, it didn't end with the election. It continued on afterwards in order to be able to try to give somebody else grounds to impeach him, which I don't know how that benefits Hillary, but she continued to fund it anyway, probably just vindictiveness. But this has got to be the equivalent of Burr shooting Hamilton right? Because you're never the same after that if you're Burr. You killed a guy, you were sitting vice president, nobody liked you anyway. So now they don't like you because you killed a guy. They don't like you because you betrayed your own party. And they don't like you because you're a jerk. So you've lost everything politically. Uh, And Burr goes at this point in his life when, when he's done with United States politics, there's nothing else he can do. He is too toxic. He leaves the country And granted, leaving the country then just meant you go further west. Nowadays, you want to leave the country. You're kind of limited on where you're going if you want to have a political career. But maybe this is what Hillary's got left in the bag of tricks, is to just be done. Go somewhere else. Go try to have an impact on the international stage. Go try to be part of UN. There's a hundred different things that she can do, a hundred different places she could go. But she's done in the United States. You can't, I don't think, you can't survive this level of a scandal because I have a hard time believing that John Durham isn't going to bring enough criminal charges to scare everybody away from you for the foreseeable future. Now, Burr burned through pretty much all of his finances. He ended up dying uh, a number of years later. I think he died in the 1830s or so. And he died on Staten Island, but he he died in what was effectively a hostel. And Clinton and the, the machine and the, the money-making Clinton Foundation itself can't go on forever if the people who have been funding it and financing it don't think that either one of them is worth any more money. And Bill's had his own carton of problems pretty much at every turn. I mean, the fact that he survived the Me Too movement was just amazing. Um, but the Epstein stuff, I don't think he did survive. I think everybody looks at Clinton as not only just somebody who abused the power of office, but somebody who was perfectly content to abuse other people. And I don't think that that's ever going to change for Bill. Hillary, as depraved as she is, I mean, just from all outward appearances, it's difficult to imagine that she's going to be palatable enough for somebody to want to send money to. And she's been out of power. She hasn't been with the State Department now for, what, almost a decade? Um, she's She's got no worth. Obviously, their family name still has a little bit of clout. But after a scandal of this size, she's she's going to be running off to the American West. She's going to go try to find something else to do. And if she doesn't, then she does what Burr did. Because after Burr attempted to take over Mexico, and then he went to Europe, he came back. And he worked for a little bit. He stayed quiet. He was an attorney. He did small claims, effectively. And... And then he died. Hillary is old enough that she probably doesn't need to go back and do any more work. But you have to think that this is it. This is where she rides off into the sunset and then lets history judge her. But you have to wonder whether or not she has that in her. I don't know that Hillary Rodham Clinton can accept being done. I mean, obviously Barack Obama can't and Michelle Obama can't. All of these long-term liberal mainstays, Pelosi is another great example, can't put it down. When they're done, they're not really done, they're just changing roles. Whereas you get people like George W. Bush, the only time you really hear about W. is when he goes and serves jury duty or when something strange happens. Occasionally he comes out and you see him talking about uh, fundraisers for things, but really you didn't see him much. The only time you saw his father after his presidency was on those ads with Bill for Hurricane Katrina, and then uh, at baseball games. Now the only time you ran into any of those guys. But the newer generation of politicians, the the more recent uh, celebrity politicians, are never going to be able to just be okay letting it go. And if Hillary can't pull an Aaron Burr, where she just fades out into that sunset, I think there's a good chance that she surpasses him. And she'll do so in the most epic way possible. I, I think you're going to see a meltdown like we haven't seen in politics maybe ever in this country. Because what, what could happen here is this Durham probe drags out for another two years. And, it, you know, I don't think John Durham's delaying this because of political uh, points. I, I don't think he cares. He's a career guy who's been a prosecutor his whole life. Professionally. And he's gone after public corruption time and time again. He's been appointed by Democrats. He's been appointed by Republicans. This guy cares about his job. He's going to do his job the right way. But if Durham takes two more years to do this, and we see Hillary sort of weather the storm for the next month or two while this is front page news in the conservative side, I think we start seeing more and more articles about her running for president. And I think that they build her up again because. Pete Buttigieg is not ready for it yet. And there's not really anybody else in the wings of the Democratic Party that's particularly exciting or, frankly, that likable. Um, You know, I I can't wait for AOC to say that she's going to run because those those primary debates are going to be wonderful. The woman has got no substance to her. She is all Twitter. And if it's less than 142 characters, she's on it. If it's more, she can't handle it. But I think we see Durham wrap up his probe just in time for Hillary to be jockeying to primary Biden and maybe even push Biden out. And if Durham's probe gets close enough to her, I think there's a decent chance that Hillary could be looking at some level of either conspiracy charges or at the very least criminal probe and questioning. And so you would have the Democratic presidential candidate who has bullied out Biden, and it's easy to beat Harris, so that's not a big deal, but who has positioned herself to run for the third time in three decades, answering questions to a federal prosecutor who by that point in time has probably got her nailed to the wall. And then what do the Democrats do? Because Hillary is not going to fade out. She's not going to say, okay, I'm going to let it go. She's going to say, no, we can weather this storm. We've weathered every other storm. I'm going to be able to get through this. And then you're just gonna see this massive collapse the way that Burr saw in New York, and she's gonna lose her mind. And she's not gonna have the benefit that Burr did of anonymity. You can't just move out to Louisiana and have nobody know who you are when you're Hillary Clinton. And you've got social media. There's there's two million followers, there's 10 million followers that every single day of the week you're gonna have to post something to. People are gonna watch this collapse in such detail that it's going to live on in American history for hundreds of years as a cautionary tale. Some 22nd century poet's going to be writing limericks about how bad this was. You're going to end up with plays about how bad this was in 200 years that are on Broadway about the demise and the collapse of Hillary Clinton. So I think this is the beginning of the end for, I, I don't think that the end comes quickly. I think that the end gets dragged out a little bit. And I do think that she ends up the worst political figure in American history and she runs well past Nixon. I think she's already past Nixon. And I think she finally gets past Burr. I mean, it, it's difficult to top a guy who shot and killed somebody while he was sitting in office and and didn't get prosecuted for it, but I think that's where she ends up. So, we've got some interviews coming up in the next few weeks with some more local politicians hopefully You guys caught the last episode where we interviewed some local Tampa Bay region. We're going to be spreading through Florida and going into Texas, North Carolina, Arizona, uh, and Georgia, trying to get a feel for what those local races are shaping up to be as we get closer to election day now, just a little less than nine months away. So as always, if you've got any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, snide remarks, go ahead and send them to us. Otherwise, we will be back in the next few weeks with a couple more shows for you. Follow the Federalist Outpost on Twitter, Gitter, and Substack.